If you've been following my discussions, you know that I've been arguing that small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, or SIBO, S-I-B-O, is now at epidemic levels in the U.S. and much of the rest of the world. Recall that SIBO means that, due to the loss of hundreds of important species in the modern gastrointestinal tract due to overexposure to antibiotics, food additives, synthetic sweeteners, pharmaceuticals such as stomach acid blocking and anti-inflammatory drugs, herbicide and pesticide residues in food, and other factors. Fecal microbes in the colon, as a result, have been allowed to overproliferate. But these fecal microbes have also managed to ascend into the 24 feet of small intestine, where they take up residence. The small intestine is poorly equipped to house these fecal microbes. The small intestine is, by design, permeable, because that's where amino acids, fatty acids, vitamins, and minerals are mostly absorbed. But when trillions of fecal microbes come to inhabit the small intestine, they live and die every few hours, releasing their toxins into the intestinal contents. One type of toxin in particular, lipopolysaccharide endotoxin, or LPS endotoxin, is able to penetrate the small intestinal wall and gain entry into the bloodstream. The process is also worsened by inflammation that these fecal microbes provoke in the small intestinal wall. When LPS endotoxin is allowed to get into the bloodstream, the process is called endotoxemia. It is now becoming clear that endotoxemia plays a role in virtually every human health condition, from obesity to dementia to anxiety and depression. And if not addressed, you will never have full control over any health condition. So, in this episode of Defiant Health, let's discuss why I argue that SIBO and LPS endotoxemia are conditions that affect half the U.S. population. Then let's talk about steps you can take to address this situation and gain an understanding of what wonderful effects you can expect when you reduce or minimize LPS endotoxemia. Later on the podcast, let's talk about Defiant Health's sponsors that include Paleo Valley, who provides fermented grass-fed beef sticks, bone broth protein rich in collagen, organic super greens, and low-carb superfood bars, and now 100% grass-fed and finished pastured meats, and BiotiQuest, who provides unique probiotics such as Sugar Shift to support healthy blood sugars and Simple Slumber to assist in obtaining healthy sleep, probiotics crafted with the unique property of combining synergistic microbes. So the entire situation begins with small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, SIBO. That is the overproliferation of fecal microbes. These are species of microbes that ordinarily live in the colon and comprise your fecal material. These are species like E. coli and Salmonella and Campylobacter. Because we've lost so many beneficial species in the colon, it's allowed these fecal microbes to overproliferate, and even more remarkably then ascend into the 24 feet of small intestine. As you can imagine, that's a very inflammatory situation. That is, you have these fecal microbes living where they're not supposed to be in the small intestine. The small intestine is protected by a thin single-layer mucus barrier, unlike the colon that is adapted to having lots of fecal microbes that has a much thicker two-layer mucus barrier. And the small intestine beyond that also is very permeable. And that's why when microbes, fecal microbes, have overproliferated and ascended into the small intestine, 
where they live and die in short order, you know, microbes only live for a few hours at a time. And so you have trillions of microbes living and dying in rapid succession in the small intestine. This is when they die, they release something called endotoxin, as I mentioned in the opening comments. When endotoxin enters the bloodstream, that's endotoxemia. And this explains how microbes in the GI tract can be experienced as skin conditions like rosacea or seborrhea or uh, psoriasis or as conditions in the brain such as dementia, anxiety, depression, Parkinson's disease, or conditions in the joints and muscles such as fibromyalgia or rheumatoid arthritis or as metabolic diseases like type 2 diabetes, obesity, heart disease. In other words, you really have to reconsider, redefine virtually all human disease in light of this the contribution of endotoxemia. Now, when this lipopolysaccharide endotoxin enters the bloodstream, it's not as bad as in sepsis. Sepsis is the situation where you have an infection, let's say a urinary tract infection, that in some people enters the bloodstream. So microbes enter the bloodstream, that's called sepsis, and that can make you extremely sick. Those are people who go into respiratory failure, get put on a ventilator, they have low blood pressure, they can die of shock. So in that situation, the level of endotoxin is a hundred times or more higher. In endotoxemia, it's not that bad, like in, like in sepsis, but there's a 200 to 400% increase in the level of endotoxin in the bloodstream, enough to have these metabolic consequences and effects on other, causing other health conditions. Now, to get our arms around just how many people are affected by this process, let's consider studies like this. In condition blank, how, what proportion of people test positive for SIBO? So let's consider fatty liver. There's about 100 million Americans with fatty liver. That is infiltration of the liver by fat that can lead to cirrhosis over time. Well, of the 100 million people with fatty liver, what proportion test positive for SIBO? And there's a variety of ways this is, this is done, such as testing for hydrogen gas in the breath that are produced by microbes. Uh, sometimes it's done by an endoscopy and an aspirate is obtained uh, from the stomach duodenum or jejunum, and that can show the presence of microbes. Regardless, what proportion of people with fatty liver test positive for SIBO? Well, 50%. Well, 50% of 100 million is 50 million people right there. How about people with irritable bowel syndrome, IBS? Well, there's about 60 to 70 million people in the U.S. with IBS. And approximately, it varies from study to study, but approximately 40% of those people test positive for SIBO. That adds another 24 million or so people to the list. Well, let's throw in people with obesity. There's about 115 million people in the U.S. with obesity and 50% test positive. So that's another 60 million or so. And now there's some overlap, of course, an obese type 2 diabetic with fatty liver. But let's throw in all the people who have, who have fibromyalgia, autoimmune conditions, neurodegenerative conditions, restless leg syndrome, food intolerances, on and on. You can see we easily can exceed 150 million Americans who have SIBO and thereby endotoxemia. So given these numbers, we're talking about one of the worst epidemics ever in the history of our species on this planet. It affects approximately one in every two people, and that includes teenagers and children, by the way. Now, when there's endotoxemia, it drives a number of processes that lead to various health conditions. It leads to, for instance, insulin resistance. That is the situation in which your body's organs, like muscle and liver and brain, no longer respond properly to insulin. 
And so the pancreas compensates by producing huge amounts of insulin, 10 times more, 30 times more, 100 times more, in order to overcome that resistance to insulin. Well, that situation of insulin resistance is the underlying process that drives risk for other conditions, such as heart disease, coronary disease, dementia, breast cancer, obesity, and many other conditions. Couple that also with the inflammation that endotoxemia causes. One of the other effects of endotoxemia is it causes expansion of abdominal visceral fat, that is fat in the abdominal cavity that is very inflammatory. So that fat in the abdominal cavity is itself inflamed and it also releases inflammatory uh, so-called cytokines or factors that export inflammation to other parts of the body, such as the brain or the heart's arteries, the coronary arteries, or skin, or thyroid, or liver. Just about all organs are exposed to this process, and it can drive diseases or other health conditions in those organs. There probably is no organ that escapes the effects of endotoxemia, and thereby insulin resistance, inflammation, and other conditions. Endotoxemia also amplifies pain. So if you have some other reason for having, say, a bad knee or bad hip, it will amplify that pain, making it more difficult to control symptoms. I think you can appreciate what a powerful driving force endotoxemia can therefore be in increasing your potential for type 2 diabetes, hypertension, high blood pressure, coronary disease, cognitive impairment and dementia, fibromyalgia, and on and on to include virtually all human disease. That's the bad news. The good news is, once you recognize this and learn how to deal with it, you have been given enormous control over your health. Now let's pause for a moment so I can tell you about Defiant Health's sponsors. When we come back, let's talk about all the wonderful benefits you can experience when you learn how to manage and eradicate SIBO and thereby endotoxemia. The Defiant Health Podcast is sponsored by Paleo Valley, makers of delicious grass-fed beef sticks, healthy snack bars, and other products. We are very picky around here and insist that any product we consider has no junk ingredients like carrageenan, carboxymethylcellulose, sucralose, and of course, no added sugars. And all Paleo Valley products contain no gluten nor grains. In fact, I find Paleo Valley products among the cleanest in their category. One of the habits I urge everyone to get into is to include at least one, if not several, servings of fermented foods per day in their lifestyles. Unlike nearly all other beef sticks available, Paleo Valley grass-fed beef sticks are all naturally fermented, meaning they contain probiotic bacterial species. And now Paleo Valley is expanding their Wild Pastures program that provides 100% grass-fed, grass-finished, pastured beef and pastured chicken and pork, raised without herbicides or pesticides. And they just added wild-caught seafood, caught from the waters of Bristol Bay, Alaska. Among their other new products are pasture-raised fermented pork sticks, chocolate-flavored grass-fed bone broth protein, and grass-fed organ complex in capsule form, and new essential electrolytes in powder form to add to potassium and magnesium intake, available in orange, lemon, and melon flavors. Listeners to the Defiant Health Podcast receive a 15% discount by going to paleovalley.com backwards slash Defiant Health. And I'd like to welcome Defiant Health's newest sponsor, BiotaQuest. I've had numerous conversations with BiotaQuest founders, 
Martha Carlin, and academic microbiologist, Dr. Raul Cano. They have formulated unique synergistic probiotic products that incorporate what are called collaborative or guild effects. That is, groups of microbes that collaborate with each other via specific metabolites, potentially providing synergistic benefits. They have designed their Sugar Shift probiotic to support healthy blood sugars, Simple Slumber to support sleep, Ideal Immunity to support a healthy immune response, Heart Centered that supports several aspects of heart health, an antibiotic antidote designed to support recovery of the gastrointestinal microbiome after a course of antibiotics. BiotiQuest probiotics are, I believe, among the most effective of all probiotic choices for specific health effects. Enter the discount code UNDOC15, U-N-D-O-C, all caps, 15, for a 15% discount for Defiant Health listeners. So what sorts of benefits can you expect by reversing or suppressing SIBO and the accompanying endotoxemia? Well, the list is long, and it includes virtually all common chronic diseases that you're likely familiar with. So you can expect that you can reduce blood pressure, often dramatically. You can reduce insulin resistance and thereby reduce your risk for numerous other diseases that result from insulin resistance, including coronary disease, that's heart attacks, need for procedures, etc., fatty liver, high triglyceride levels, low HDL, small LDL particles, cognitive impairment and dementia, breast cancer, and other cancers that are triggered by insulin resistance. You can expect weight loss, especially from abdominal visceral fat. You can see this in a reduction, for instance, in your waist circumference. Reduced depression and suicidal thoughts. Reduced anxiety. Reduced potential for heart rhythm disorders like atrial fibrillation. Reduced severity or development of congestive heart failure. Reduced arthritis pain. A reduced risk for diverticular disease, such as diverticulitis, and colon cancer. Reduced risk for Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Reduced risk for irritable bowel syndrome. Reduced risk for restless leg syndrome, since restless leg syndrome is virtually synonymous with SIBO. Reduced potential for food intolerances to FODMAPs, nightshades, fructose, histamine-containing foods, legumes, and nuts. This all represents forms of SIBO. Reduced risk for neurodegenerative conditions and slowing of many of the phenomena of aging. Now, that's only a partial list. If you have any health condition, you should at least consider whether SIBO, and thereby endotoxemia, is either an initiating factor, that is the cause, or an exacerbating factor, that is, makes the disease worse. So, in other words, in type 2 diabetes, you can make yourself diabetic just by eating bad foods, but you can also contribute to high blood sugars and insulin resistance via SIBO and metabolic endotoxemia. So maybe SIBO and endotoxemia was not the initiating factor, but it is an amplifying factor. It makes it much worse and harder to control. So how do you attack this problem? Well, first of all, question whether you have it. So one way to find out is to test with the AIR device, A-I-R-E, from the company Food Marble. And all that is is a breath testing device that talks to your smartphone on a scale of 0 to 10. Any rise from baseline of more than four units is a positive test. So let's say you uh, there's a preparatory diet you go on with no fibers or sugars for 12 hours or longer prior to testing. Morning of testing, get a baseline level. It should be low, like maybe 1.2 or something like that. And then consume something with prebiotic fiber. The easy thing to do would be a cup of coffee with two teaspoons of inulin. Inulin is the best prebiotic fiber to test with because it's consumed by the most microbe, by many microbes that comprise SIBO. 
So drink that coffee. You can eat other foods also and then test again 30 to 45 minutes and every 30 to 45 minutes thereafter for up to 90 minutes. Any rise in, in values of, of four units or more, let's say the next measurement you get is 9.8, that's a positive. That means that microbes are living high up in your gastrointestinal tract, in the stomach, duodenum, and jejunum, because it takes 90 minutes at the least, at the very least, for that inulin to reach the colon where production of hydrogen gas is normal. So production of hydrogen gas before 90 minutes is abnormal, signifying microbial colonization of the small intestine. Now, it's not a perfect method, but it's, it's, a, it's a method that you can use. It's, it's also helpful for tracking long term. Now, there's some more detail to this. I urge you, to, if you want to use the air device, see my super gut book. It has detailed instructions on how to use it for this specific purpose. Another way is to just look for signs that you have SIBO. Food intolerance is virtually guaranteed you have SIBO. Some conditions like restless leg syndrome, irritable bowel syndrome, fibromyalgia are so commonly associated with with SIBO and endotoxemia, that you can safely assume that you have it. Any neurodegenerative condition, any autoimmune condition, obesity, type 2 diabetes, and fatty liver also very highly associated with SIBO. It's a safe assumption. Now, I think it's a safe assumption because my solution to SIBO is so benign. That is, if the solution was something drastic, like taking out your small intestine, well, you better be damn confident, right, that you really need to go through that. But if the solution is something that smells and looks like yogurt, it's not yogurt. It's not the stuff you buy in the store. It's very different, but it is something like yogurt. So the way I've been getting rid of SIBO is to ferment three microbes, a strain of lactobacillus roteri, the 6475 strain, a strain of lactobacillus gasseri, the BNR17 strain. Those two microbes are unique in that they colonize the small intestine. That's where SIBO occurs, right? That's where the battle is. So those two species colonize the small intestine and produce what are called bactericins. These are natural antibiotics effective against the species of SIBO. I threw in another microbe, Bacillus coagulans, the GBI 36086 strain. I included it for three reasons. One is it also produces bactericins that are effective against some different microbial species than the other two. The combination has a very broad spectrum of antimicrobial effects for the SIBO species. Two, it has a great track record in reducing the symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome, which is essentially the same as SIBO, and it makes the yogurt taste better. It's, it makes a very delicious yogurt, so it kind of softens the edge, the sourness that lactobacillus gasseri tends to cause. So we ferment those three microbes for 36 hours. We co-ferment them together, and then we consume it for four weeks. If you have a really bad case of SIBO, as sometimes happens in people who've taken prolonged courses or repeated courses of antibiotics, you can do it much longer, but a minimum of four weeks. And then if you're going to test again with the air device, you want to stop the rotori specifically for two weeks and then test. And the reason for that is rotori also produces hydrogen gas and it's in the small intestine. So it gives the appearance of a positive test. And so you have to stop the rotori for two weeks after your four-week course before you test again. Then I urge people to continue, not daily with the, what I call SIBO yogurt, those three microbes, but to do it occasionally, maybe two or three times a week, because it seems to be helpful in preventing recurrence. Recurrences of SIBO and thereby endotoxemia are very common, and I believe continuing to consume the SIBO yogurt prevents recurrence. After all, these are, at least the rotori and gasseri, are keystone species that you should have had all along, but they were eradicated by a course of antibiotics you may have taken many years ago or sometime in your past. 
Another useful strategy to fight back SIBO and thereby endotoxemia is to include lots of fermented foods in your daily routine. Kefirs, kombucha, kimchi, veggies you ferment on your kitchen counter. You want to do this several times a day. It doesn't have to be a large serving, but several times a day for maximum effect. What fermented foods do is the microbes that are in the fermented food, such as Leuconostoc mesenteroides or various Pediococcus species, these microbes don't colonize the intestines, but they feed the beneficial microbes. So, for instance, Leuconostoc produces metabolites like acetate and lactate that feed important species like fecalobacterium. So you don't have to remember all that detail. Just remember that lots of fermented foods in your lifestyle is very helpful and helps keep SIBO away. Another thing you want to do is to include plenty of prebiotic fibers and other related compounds, fibers. For instance, get fructooligosaccharides and inulin from foods like onions, garlic, and other root vegetables, galacto-oligosaccharides from legumes and root vegetables, hyaluronic acid, very important one, even though it's not sourced from plants but from animals. You want to make a habit of this. And if you're counting your prebiotic fibers, a minimum of 20 grams per day is a really comfortable number that generates lots and lots of species diversity in your GI tract. Another strategy to be aware of is clove green tea. It's my recipe for using clove as a source of the essential oil eugenol, and eugenol essentially doubles the thickness of intestinal mucus, at least temporarily. In green tea are green tea catechins, like epigallocatechin, that cause the mucin proteins in your intestinal mucus to, to cross-link and thereby convert intestinal mucus from a semi-liquid to a semi-gel. And lastly, we include inulin and fructooligosaccharides as a powder, and this causes a bloom in butyrate-producing species like Fecalobacterium and Acromancia, and this leads to a better mucus barrier, better intestinal barrier. So we make it as a clove green tea. See my recipe in the Super Gut book, page 246, but it's, it's very easy. It's a couple tablespoons of whole cloves. Don't use ground cloves. You want whole cloves. Put it in a saucepan with about two cups of water. Bring to a boil. Reduce the heat so that you maintain a low boil for about 10 minutes. And then put your green tea bag or whatever device you're using to make green tea. A good choices include Trader Joe's, Peak, P-I-Q-U-E-T, Crystals, Newman's Own, and Numi, N-U-M-I, Organic Gunpowder Green Tea. These are have been shown to have the highest catechin content, so you get that cross-linking effect. And then you let it cool, add the inulin FOS, stir, and then sip it. This is really helpful, especially in the beginning when you're having a lot of die-off or a lot of uncomfortable symptoms as you're killing off fecal microbes with your SIBO yogurt or whatever strategy you're using, you're using for killing off the SIBO organisms. Eating whole foods, as we do, also helps because whole foods contain additional factors such as polyphenols, resveratrol, capsaicin, that's the thing that makes peppers hot. Those things also have modest effects on improving gut health while also suppressing SIBO and endotoxemia. Probiotics can sometimes be helpful, but especially the BiotaQuest Sugar Shift, the sponsor of this podcast, but they have conducted a clinical trial to demonstrate a dramatic reduction in endotoxemia. And the omega-3 fatty acids and the vitamin D in our basic program also contribute to maintaining the mucus barrier and the intestinal barriers. They also contribute to reducing endotoxemia. There you go. Because we have such a benign potential solution, the SIBO yogurt, what I'm calling SIBO yogurt, that is the yogurt that we ferment for 36 hours with lactobacillus gasseri, lactobacillus 
Rotary and Bacillus coagulans so far has had a very high success rate. About 90% of people who've done this, uh, 50 people who've done this anecdotally, have attested negative by the air device for hydrogen gas. I hope to perform a formal clinical trial to validate this, but it's so benign and so easy to do. doesn't cost very much. You make the first batch by acquiring those three commercial probiotics. But then future batches you can make from a little bit of the prior batch. And if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, please see my super gut book as well as my drdavisinfinitehealth.com blog. And you'll see that uh, it's very easy to make these yogurts. They're not really yogurt. Please don't get, be confused. It has nothing to do with the stuff in the store. That's something completely different. That's kind of garbage, the stuff they sell in the store because it's fermented too briefly. And they use microbes that really don't have that much benefit. We are choosing microbes with very specific properties such as upper GI or small intestine colonization and bacteriocin production. So please don't confuse what we're doing here with any stuff, anything you buy in the store. Now, if you've learned something from this episode of the Defiant Health Podcast, I invite you to subscribe via your favorite podcast directory, post a review, post a comment, tell your friends. Let's build this movement of self-empowerment and health. Thanks for listening.